0: The version of me who lived through those things, who said yes to those things, she does not exist anymore. That girl is dead and gone. Wait, 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 wait. Let me catch you up. Hey friend, I have a quick question for you. How are you being brave with your life today? (laughs) That is the question, my friend. Welcome to Iterate with Ashley this one's for the leaders for the rebels the trailblazers the ones who aren't afraid to get a little dangerous because you're badassery it's required no one told you that to push teams companies and humanity forward to claim your version of the dream life and to make epic comebacks after every how-the-hell-did-I-get-here moment, you'd have to summon your inner badass. We're going to talk about falling, rising, and winning it all, and help you answer the question, what do I do next? So if that's your jam, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Ashley Morgan. Let's go to the show. Happy day, my friend. Welcome back to the show. I hope you have had an amazing day. I'm looking forward to our chit chat today. So if you listened to the last episode, you know that this week would have been my 15-year wedding anniversary, and I was going to kick off you know, yesterday, which was the actual day that it would have been, August 23rd. I was going to kick it off with sharing five of 15 lessons that I learned from the marriage that didn't last, and had something else come through, kind of a bonus lesson, but I think it was a really, imp- um, I think it was a significant conversation, and necessary, based on just what's happening out in the world. And as you guys know, I say I am a vessel. I am a channel. I am a tool. God speaks through me and we go we go where God goes. <laughs> we go where God goes. So, that is what there was to share yesterday. And I'm excited, though, today it, it does appear that we're kind of semi-on-script. And of course, when I say on-script, that just means we have a loose guide. And that loose guide is those five things I came up with. And I think that is really going to be the focus of today's episode. So buckle up and be ready for that because we got some good stuff to cover. And here's what I want to say. And I'm going to dive into this. As we move into the five things, one of the biggest perspective shifts that supported me so much as I was exiting that marriage and as I was moving into the next phase of my life and the next chapter of my life is not viewing, like I kind of jokingly say that it was a failure and it didn't last. And I say that from a very lighthearted energy and I'm able to do that though, because really as I was wrapping up and as I had just accepted that the relationship was complete, like that perspective, not as a failure, not as something that didn't work out, not as, as something that it wasn't supposed to be what occurred or happened. I I know now why it works, why that shift in perspective brought so much peace and brought so much calm and, and was like soothing Aloe in a potentially heated situation, right? Just like brought this essence of ease to what was happening. And I know why now that, you know, that worked because um, my unconscious mind wasn't arguing with with what occurred. We experience a lot of emotional pain and myself in particular in the spaces where we are arguing for how something should have been. And so by just saying Our marriage was complete. Like it's done. The assignment is done. It it, it's it's success. It's success in that we got to the end of the assignment. We and then you go through and you take the lessons from the assignment and then it's not this failure, then it's not this wasted time, then it's not this wasted investment and you know, that frame gives you a just a flood, at least in my experience. It gave me a flood of power, a flood of confidence, and allowed me to move on with such clean energy and without being angry and resentful and bitter and all of that. Now, sure, you can't fully hack your humanity you got a human brain you got a human mind you are a human walking around earth so best believe that there is some grieving that occurs there is emotions and whatnot that you have to face uh, and i also metabolized those feelings metabolized so much of that discomfort quickly And again, was able to get to this point of like, this is working out for me. This is bettering me. And though this relationship is done, I'm not worried or concerned about long-term companionship or whether or not soulmate love is my portion and available for me and accessible and something that I get to have in my life. I'm just not, I'm not worried because I know that it's inevitable. I know that... It, you know, it's, it's like, it's a part of my life plan. Life gets to be good. That is my core base philosophy, just in general. Encourage you to adopt it. Life gets to be good to the point where it's like, really? Really? you really think life should get to be that good for you and t- to which I will say absolutely, fucking lutely I believe that l- your life should it should feel extraordinary because you have one why not and if so much good and so much joy and so much peace and so much freedom and so much excitement and so much exhilaration is available why not have it why not create it you know like we know crap is gonna happen this shit's gonna come and whether or not that is like the tenor and the dynamic of your entire lived experience, I think is largely up to you. Largely, it's based on the narrative that you choose to create for yourself and the believing you choose to do about your experience. So we're going to chit chat about that some more today. And also, I just want to say, I have never done so much singing, humming in any one single place ever in life, like in a public setting. I mean, I I sang on the worship team at church, uh, but that was obviously many, 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 many years ago. But this is, and this isn't even like, you know, this is just like my little, this is me. This is how I sometimes go about life. The little sing hum thing. Yeah, that's something I do. You're welcome. You're getting invited into my like every day here. So as we're jumping in to kick off the 5 of 15 gems that came from my completed marriage, I want to extend an invitation to you to reach out to me and connect and see if we are a good fit to coach together, work together. I support leaders, subject matter experts, those of you who know you feel called to move The world forward in some way. You are out there doing your thing, being an expert, leading teams, leading businesses, making things happen. And you know, it's not a matter of getting started for you. It's really more of a matter of building the emotional and mental resilience so that you can show up and meet the demands of your everyday while you're out there creating your version of the dream life, while you're out there doing big things in, you know, work and business. And Ultimately, continuously being able to pick yourself back up after challenge, difficulty, obstacle... You know, the hard stuff, the rock bottom moments, the arena floor moments. Because what I understand is if we can't figure out how to pick ourselves back up, that's when we end up stuck. And I'm raising my hand here, even though you can't see it because, you know, your girl, you know, I've I've, I've shared the story many times over at this point. Three years, I spent three years stuck in emotional pain. And when emotional pain is too big, one of two things occurs. You run or you numb. You run and avoid and pretend it's not there and avoid it and anything that looks like it, like I did. That's when I was in career purgatory. And you numb. You, you know, you, you begin to pick up unhealthy coping mechanisms in order to not feel the uncomfortable emotion, to not feel the significance of the pain. And so for me, you know, I mean, that's a part of how you gain 80 pounds and eat and you drink. And you watch too much TV and you do too much shopping and you do too much sleeping or not enough sleeping and too much busy, just anything that you were overdoing or underdoing as an attempt to numb or medicate yourself so that you don't have to feel the discomfort. That's what happens. And then you stay stuck. You stay stuck in this like analyzing, overthinking, trying to make sense of pattern of thought and really you just need to be able to move forward and acknowledge it occurred it's not you it doesn't determine what happens next unless you allow it to determine what happens next so reach out to me on instagram at ashley morgan live if you're like yep I, I am that person. I need help. I want to get to the other side and I think you can help me. I'm your spotter, just like in the gym. I can't lift the weight for you, but I can back you and make sure that you are supported and you are guided and you have the tools and techniques and skills that you can use moment to moment, big moments, small moments, and you know, get yourself through, get yourself into that powerful posture of knowing that your success is inevitable, knowing that life gets to be good for you and going out and creating it. And so invite you into that coaching container. I work with clients long term on a six or nine month basis. You can drop down into the show notes and click the link in bio, excuse me, click the link in the show notes and reach out to me there. So let's jump in, shall we? And I just want to say, oh, I feel such a deep level of gratitude that I have, been able to look at so many years together with one person and and see the good and this isn't on today's list but it is on the list and that is I think sometimes what can happen in divorce is that we we look to like swipe over it with the broad brush and not recognize that there is a lot of good that comes out of relationships that don't work out and so Most of what I share in terms of lessons and whatnot, I share through the lens of, wow, this is really positive. Wow, this is really a a powerful lesson that supported me and it's nurtured me and it's moved me and it's been useful for me in my life. And so I share from that perspective and I I out myself, you know, (laughs) I out myself. I share the things that I did not do well, I had to learn from and have learned from in the process of reflection and so (laughs) you're welcome you get to talk about me and think about me so that you don't have to look at you and talk about you you can just take it from my lived experience number one start in love end in love start in love and end in love so when the relationship any relationship actually stops being what I call a nutrient-dense container Uh, you know, some place that's nourishing for you and nurturing for you, then I think you've got a couple of choices, right? You can take supplements. You know, if you were to think about your health and what you might do, if you realize, okay, this this life that I've got, the container of my life is not really nourishing my body. It's not nourishing me. I'm not well. I'm kind of sick or I'm weak and I want to get stronger, healthier, better. You would do some things. So you could take some supplements. You could get a trainer. You'd see a healer. Maybe focus on building some new habits all so that you could start to foster better physical health. Same goes for your relationship. You have some choices if you recognize, all right, the container of this relationship is not nourishing either party, or maybe it's nourishing one party. Maybe it's good for one person and not good for both, or maybe you're both kind of experiencing compromised nutrition. And anytime that happens, of course, you are going to start to do things that replenish you, even if it's outside of the context of the relationship. So do what matters to generate a a healthy, loving, nourishing, nurturing dynamic in relationship. And if you can't, if you're like, wow, we've done all the things or we've tried to do everything and we just recognize this is no longer what we want it to be, end it. And end it not because you hate one another, because you've gotten so angry with one another, because you have gotten so fed up and so pissed off. And you're just, I mean, yeah, you, there are moments where you're just like, man, I'm fucking done. And it's okay to have those moments. I had those moments. I 100% had those moments. And also you can leave from love. You can end from love and it's love for yourself, like massive love for yourself, massive amounts of love for the other person, because you both want to live a life of thriving. And so when I could see this relationship isn't just not working for me, it's not working for him either. That's when it was like, okay, like we gotta, we gotta get out of here. We really, really, really have to get out of here. I think that's one of the most powerful things that you can do. And it makes walking away from the relationship clean, energetically. Cause like, I, I'm not, I'm not angry with my ex. I, I, despite the things that happen, despite like in that final conversation that he and I had. He said, I think this is 80% my fault, 20% you. I know I bear a lot of responsibility here. I wasn't putting blame or responsibility on him. I wasn't saying that. I wasn't saying that at all. By the time I was having that conversation with him, I was done. There's no, there's no blame to find here. We don't need to establish any sort of source for that. We just acknowledge the relationship is no longer working. We're getting out of it to create, to give both of us an opportunity to go and create the life that we actually want to be living because we've tried it together in this container for 15 years. That's how long we were together overall, married for nearly nine. So that's what the decision was. It's okay. We've tried it. It hasn't worked. And we've gotten, we've done everything that we can do, which means this must be the end of the road for us. And so that allowed me to walk away energetically very clean, emotionally very clean like no bad feelings towards him no bad feelings towards his family in fact his his family still receives me quite well I mean I I you know they wish I was still in the family let's let's be real <laughs> but I mean ugh, I'm a hard act to follow that is not that is not an un, that, that's not an untruth I really am pretty extraordinary and I get it I totally get it so but I'm not I, I wish him well I, I legitimately wish him well, and it's not even a matter of whether or not he, he deserves it or not. It's just, I loved you. I spent half of my life with you, and I wish you the absolute best, and that's not a platitude. That's not trite. It's very genuine, and so one of the, the biggest factors in being able to do that was just making the decision to end the relationship from a place of love so that's lesson number one number two secrets lies and shame are silent killers and I'm going to include here lies of omission things that kind of appear meaningless they are mold mold just like mold in a house hiding in walls contaminating the container making you sick it is impossible, truly truly impossible to live and create this you know this this healthy love where secrets abound and shame abound and lies abound. And what I'll say here is this is probably the only one of five where he had secrets. He had secrets and he had stuff and things that were kind of off limits to talk about and as a result That led to just a significant amount of distrust. And also, when I was made privy to certain things, I was then a carrier of the secret, a carrier of his truths, and they were heavyweights. Weights that I could not put down, weights that were exhausting. And I used to call it my secret pain because it was painful to carry it around and not be able to talk about it with anyone, not be able to address it with anyone, not have anywhere for me to set the load down. So that kills a relationship, that dynamic kills a relationship. And that seems obvious. And also what I know is that there are times in your relationship where you both recognize things about one another and either one, you're not talking about it or two, you're allowing them to exist. And you know, that the, the secret or the shame or the untruth or the kind of muddy mangled story is a burden on the other person and you're not doing anything to clean it up and you're not doing anything to fix it. And so what I can tell you with absolute certainty is that suffocates the, the air out of your relationship and, it, and it's really impossible for you to to thrive it's almost like trying to plant seeds in concrete nothing can bloom there that is that and unfortunately in my my instance there wasn't a ton that I could do around him and his secrets it was me and and needing to adjust my own internal orientation to what was going on so take what you will from that disclosure number three oh this is my favorite (laughs) This is my favorite on the list, my friend. The death by disappointment cocktail recipe. Ooh, it's so good. Muddle settling. Settling and lowered standards in the bottom of a cocktail shaker. Add one heavy pour of hopes becoming expectations. One shot of uncommunicated desires. And a dash of what society says your relationship should look like. With a handful of ice. And shake vigorously. Strain contents into a chilled glass, garnish with lime. We know I love lime. Serve with a champagne float. <laughs> okay. Ah! When I tell you that disappointment disappointment is the result of hopes, Becoming expectation, something that you just hope will occur. You hope things will be this specific way or this certain way, and then it doesn't go that way, fosters disappointment. You start to expect that the hope is going to occur. And rather than look back at what has been and create some sort of expectation based on what has already been, you hope that things will be different. And so that's where disappointment starts to creep in. And then desires that you have, dreams that you have, not fully being disclosed, not fully being talked about or shared. Also that that lack of communication, it fuels, it fuels disappointment. It fuels disappointment. Settling. Anytime you're in a relationship where you are lowering your standard for what you desire and you're saying, I'm just going to accept that I'm not going to get that. You are opening yourself up to the energy of disappointment. And you can just expect that that's going to occur. And man, I wish I had known that before I got married. I mean, I got married at 23. I got married at 23 to the person I had been in a relationship with since I was 17. Largest foundation of marital insight came from Christian theology, Christian books, and a marriage counseling with the pastor who, and I use the word pastor loosely, with a spiritual leader who really benefited from my weakness. And so therefore, I was not taught really in any capacity how to be an advocate for my own desires and my own expectations and my own standards in the relationship. Really, I'm going to be honest with you, just like straight up, the only people who were seemingly interested in my desires and what I you know wanted and how I was doing in pretty much all of this were people whose last name was Morgan and uh, unfortunately you know I was doing my I kind of have life figured out thing where I wasn't listening people were questioning and I was like no you don't get it you know so there was some tension with my family my immediate family uh, who are the ones in hindsight I can see that they were the ones who actually had my back. They were the ones saying, are you sure? Are you sure about this? Are you sure that this is the right call? Like have you thought this through? Have you, made, you know, all of that. They, you know, and it's not that they were right and I was wrong or they were wrong and I was right. They saw there's the this analogy. You can't read the label from the inside of the bottle. I was inside the bottle and they were outside reading the label. And so they had a different vantage point than I did. They had a different set of information than I did. So I'm in the thick of it and, and I can't see the perspective that they have. And so they're asking me questions from their perspective and we did what we did. <laughs> we accept it and we're grateful for the lesson and we're grateful for the learning. So let me just tell you. I got. I was. I was disappointed a lot. I was disappointed a lot, and I'll never forget. I was married when *Private Practice* was out. You guys know I love Shonda Rhimes You know I love Addison Forbes Montgomery and uh, the actress who plays her, Kate Walsh. I love her. And uh, there's this scene in *Private Practice*, the first season, and it's this newly like there's this episode. It's one of the episodes is centered around a married couple, and at one point they're kind of observing the married couple in the waiting room and someone comes over and they said what are we looking at and somebody else says magic and I'm just like man I, w- I wish that I could say I'm waiting for magic I wish that I could say I had waited for magic for love to feel like I believe love gets to feel and I did not and as a result of not waiting I got my little ass disappointed a lot a lot and, and I, I lowered my standards and I did it because I believed that God would sort it out. And that was my, that was my frame. That was my construct. That's how I understood life to be. God will sort things out on your behalf. And I do think that, you know, there's some, some usefulness to that. And also, look, if your intuition and your gut says somebody in a relationship is a red flag, believe your fucking gut, period, period, point blank, I had red flags all over the goddamn place and I chose to ignore those red flags and say, but God, and move on anyway. So that was was my just opportunity to gain the wisdom that I have today because what's so beautiful about even everything that I'll share here and just what I got from the relationship is I know now what I will never tolerate in relationship again. I know now what will never be acceptable. It will never happen again. It would just, like, the version of me who lived through those things, who said yes to those things, she does not exist anymore. That girl is dead and gone. And we built a new version of her and will continue iterating on the identity that is Ashley Morgan and being more and getting more from life perpetually. Hello, iterate with Ashley. That's what that's what it's about. It's about taking what was and consistently iterating on top of it, making it better and better and better and better and not from a place of fixing and not from a place of, you know, unworthiness and not from a place of being broken and not from a place of missing something, but from a place of just, I am extraordinary. And guess what? I get to be more extraordinary tomorrow and the next day, and the next day, and my life is extraordinary, and it gets to be even more extraordinary tomorrow, and the day after, and the day after, and the day after. That is what iteration is. It is the cyclical process of testing, and tweaking, and experimenting, and making things more, and so we thank God for baby Ashley, who, who said yes, you know, and, and walked down the aisle at 23. And we say yes for baby Ashley, who, you know, at, I don't know, how old was I? 32, almost 32. I was 31. Who at 31, Right. Was I 31? Hold on, friends. Yes, I was 31. I wasn't quite 32 yet. Who at 31 had the courage and the bravery, despite being afraid of what would happen next, had the bravery and the courage to say yes to herself, to choose herself. I just, I I will never forget, I I had been so afraid of what other people would think to exit my marriage, especially after being conservative Christian and so heavily involved, and I was afraid of, of how people would judge me and what they would say, spoiler alert, I have no idea what they said or what they thought, and honestly, it doesn't even fucking matter. I'm sure they had thoughts, many of them, I'm sure. Not many people have ever shared their thought with me because I'm, I don't make myself available for that kind of conversation. And any sort of conversation that I have had with people about the end of my marriage um, has all been very congratulatory. <laughs> so I'll, I'll never forget, this was one of the man most powerful moments that I had with my dad when he was still alive. He had been in the hospital a few months at this point. And we decided that we were divorcing. I mean, I shouldn't say we had decided. I had decided, and I told him, "We're, I'm, I'm done. We're calling a spade a spade. Like, I'm, I'm exiting this. We're, we're wrapping this up here." And so we weren't sure when to tell him because he's in the battle. He's, he's in the hospital battling terminal cancer. And we wait, we wait, we wait. And then one night, I just go into the hospital. My dad's there. My mom is there. It's the two of them in the room. He's in a hospital bed. He has, uh, he's not able to speak that well at this point. Communication is hard, although he understands and has full comprehension and all of that. Communication has gotten difficult at this point. They believe he had a stroke. And so that made speaking harder, particularly later in the day. It was harder for him to like find words, even though, again, he could understand what was being said. So I go in one night and just decide, you know what? It's been two weeks. I'm just going to tell my parents what's going on. And I'm afraid of what they might say. And I am I made peace with the fact that it didn't matter. You know, you have to do that. And I think as kids, especially when you have parents that you really love, parents that you feel like, man, you're, you were good parents and I really value your opinion. You are afraid of what they're going to think about your decision and your life choices and whether or not they are going to internalize your decisions and your life choices as an indictment on the quality of their parenting. And I had to completely extricate myself from that idea and just make the decision for myself, which is what I did. And so when I went into that room, I was like, you know what? We just got to tell him. We got to just say what's what. And I'm an adult. And, you know, here we are. My mom says, well, you know, is there anything that you can do? Can you work on it? Blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, no. I mean, yeah, we've we've run the gamut of things that could potentially be done to save this relationship. And, and no, we're past it. My dad only says a couple of words. And again, this is in one of those times where we're finding language, finding words to speak is difficult even though he understands exactly what's being said and it was so so challenging to to witness and to experience but he looks over at me and he just says you deserve better you deserve better and he was consistently just someone who you know he was like look and this was pre-hospital years prior actually he was one of those people who said, look, I know we, we I know what we taught you about tr- marriage and church and what you learned about divorce and all of those things. And he would tell me it's OK if you've got to, you know, make a call. And of course, I was still in the in place where I could hear that and position to make that call. But he is consistently somebody who was like, OK, I see that this decision and I see that it, he, I see that you're settling. I see that you've lowered your standards because here's the deal. Y'all, my dad was like chivalrous. He was, he. I always say like he wasn't a perfect father. I don't believe that there is such a thing as a perfect anything, but he was the kind of dad that for me, he was the kind of father that I think girls should have. He believed in me. He supported me. He backed me. I knew rain or shine. I could call my dad for anything at any time. And, you know, he just, he, he was my mountain. He was my mountain, anchored me, held me down, grounded me, supported me, loved me, encouraged me, like all the things. And so it was so significant to just receive his, just, you deserve better. Like just, it was so simple for him. It was so simple and it was an exhale. It was like, oh. Finally, finally, she has figured it out. <laughs> she's figured it out and she's, she's choosing herself. And, you know, he was just saying, I want more for you. You know, I'm so glad that he was able to go and make his transition back up to heaven knowing I had come into the awareness and the consciousness that it was safe to choose myself and safe to choose happiness and chase and, 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 and safe to go out in the world and, and just take a stand for what I wanted and what I desired. And, you know, it, so it was just such a beautiful moment. So I'm going to just say it again, like disappointment, whew, it really starts with settling Starts with settling, starts with lowering your standards. It starts with having expectations that aren't communicated and hoping that somehow the expectations are going to be met. And then I, I I, think the additional thing there is once they have been communicated, tolerating right relationships that are consistently not meeting those expectations. So do with that what you will, my friend. Just know that better is available for you. And what I understand in every single area, and I learn this more and more and more and more and more every day. When you hold a standard for yourself and how you show up in the world, your life begins to match that standard. That is just how it works. And it works that way with everything, period. Number four, obligation is the spark that ignites a wildfire of resentment. That was a a whole mouthful. Obligation is so low vibe. Doing things, going along to get along for too long, you are going to become resentful as fuck. And it produces this like beach ball underwater effect where you give too much, you receive too little, and the pressure starts to build. And it's like pushing a ball underneath the water. Eventually, it's going to cannonball out and it's going to push up to the service, you know, surface, and it's going to explode and it's going to explode toxicity. And so, leave obligation at the door. Show up and serve and show up and give and show up in your relationship from this place of love, from this place of generosity or don't do it at all. And I spent a lot of years in my relationship showing up at events showing up to functions, showing up in all sorts of ways in the relationship that I didn't really want to be doing. Not because I didn't love, you know, the person I was with, because I was just like, I'm sick of this shit. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. It's not actually nourishing me. It's really only benefiting you. And playing these roles that I was expected to play for in service of his life vision, in service of his life calling, in service of him. And again, My frame here was Christian theology, which basically says that the man is the head of the household. And so I interpreted that as if I follow him and we make space for what is good for him in his life, I'm going to be the beneficiary. I'm going to ultimately benefit from and get to have happiness and joy and success and prosperity and abundance and all the things as a result of following that pathway. Hallelujah, fucking we got out. That's all I'm going to say about that. Last but not least, number five, be selfish. Center your own happiness, your happiness, your responsibility. I'm not going to give you all the story. Go back and and listen to a few podcast episodes. I talked about it recently. I don't know, sometime in the, the last five, I'm sure. 2015, end of 2015, it's Christmas. I have this realization Uh, about how life is not feeling very Hallmark movie, even though we have checked the boxes. We have done all the things that we were supposed to do that were supposed to promise you this good life and life was not feeling good. Although on the outside, it looked like it should have been, right? It should have felt good, but it wasn't. It wasn't feeling amazing. And so it was an inside job. It was me needing to take back my power It was me needing to realize that I had given up my power all along. And what I learned through that is... I was blaming him for all the reasons why I wasn't happy. I was blaming him for not acting differently, not being differently. And as a result, I was compromising my own ability to create happiness for myself. And so, what I learned through that process, you know, of in that next year in 2016 of facing fears and doing things for the first time and chasing joy and making memories and building new relationships and traveling and having new experiences is when I was satisfied, when I was fulfilled, when I was satiated, guess what? I was more powerful. I was more magnetic. I was more confident. I was more attractive. I stopped blaming him and making him the villain and making him my enemy. And it ultimately created a happier, healthier relationship dynamic for us. And that is the thing that a, one of the big keys to leaving the relationship in such a good way, at least for me, I don't know how he felt on the way out. You know, other than re- he felt a lot of regret. I know, I know that, but outside of that, I don't know what he experienced. Not my responsibility to know that at all. So I got happy in 2016, really, really, really happy. So when I left my marriage, when I divorced. I wasn't doing it from this place of lack. I was doing this I was doing it from a place of sufficiency. Like I am really happy. I am in so much gratitude. I am in so much abundance. I am I'm I'm in such a stable, safe, secure place. It was one of the reasons why I knew it was the right call because I wasn't running from a shitty relationship. You know, I always say It's that Grey's Anatomy quote that Richard Rubber shares. If you want someone to run a four-minute mile, you don't chase them. You give them something to run to. I wasn't leaving a shitty marriage. I was running towards a happier life because I had done everything I could do in the container of that relationship to be happy. And I was happy. And also, who you choose as your life partner has a direct correlation on the level of happiness that you were able to experience and create for yourself because they impact so many of the decisions that you make, where you work or what type of work you're able to do because of what goes on for them, where you potentially live, what's going on in the family dynamic, how you guys travel together, just the basics of just how you even live. You know, we, we, At one point I moved out of my master bathroom because he was so messy and I was tired of cleaning up. And so I just, I moved my things out of the master bathroom and just started using the front bathroom in our place because I was like, I just can't take how messy it is. Like I, and I can't be the one who's consistently responsible for cleaning it up. And so I, I just, I say all of that to say, be selfish, center your own happiness two happy people, two fulfilled people, two satiated people, two people in love with their own lives are going to create a magical multiplier effect in a relationship container together. That was really good. No, this is not a relationship podcast. (laughs) This is not a relationship podcast, but I do think... That was some useful, useful shit. I love you. I appreciate you. Thank you for being here. And I can't wait to hear your thoughts on the episode. You know what to do. Drop into the show notes and all the things. And I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Bye for now. Thank you so much for listening to the show. It was amazing to spend this time with you. I expect that you got what you needed and that you found something I shared today both enjoyable and useful. If you find yourself with any questions for me, feel free to drop down into the show notes, click on the link for my Instagram and send me a DM. And if you'd like to work together, feel free to do the same. I would love to share more details on how I can support you as you increase your power, your confidence, and your resilience and turn the dial down on fear, imposter syndrome, and self-doubt. If you would like to support the podcast, subscribe, leave a five-star review, share with a friend, or better yet, screenshot, share to your stories and tag me in it so I can shout you out publicly. I appreciate all of your help and your support growing this conversation and growing this community. I can't wait to connect with you in the next episode.